What's happening, Llama listeners? Joe here. In this episode, I got to welcome back one of my big sisters, Nina Choi Rowmiller, to the lounge. Nina is an Air Force veteran, the vice chair of the American Welding Society Bridge Welding Committee, and chief of the Office of Structure Quality Management at the California Department of Transportation. During our discussion, we talked about the importance of embracing failures, commitment, and what we have gained from long-distance running. Enjoy. Life. Learning. Leadership. The Llama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Llama Lounge, a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and I have one of my big sisters, Nina Choi Rowmiller, back in the lounge with me today. Nina is an Air Force veteran and a premier leader in the engineering industry, currently working at the California Department of Transportation. She is also a Llama family member who has written multiple articles, and we are excited to have her return to the lounge. What's up, Nina? What? what? <laughs> Man, you, you make me sound like way big right like <laughs> well you are <laughs> and i'm like oh whoa like i should be up on a big old stage or something <laughs> you, you are amazing you are amazing like on a you ted are. talk <laughs> hey hey how many other engineers can say they helped build the bay bridge okay not many. probably actually a couple hundred but <laughs> oh yeah, yeah yeah but 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 not to your capacity <laughs> and a couple hundred in the entire world okay Fair enough. Fair enough. When you when you crunch the numbers, because you know I'm a I'm a numbers person, right? So, <laughs> so how was your Christmas? You know, it was really quiet. It was good. It was just yeah. me and my husband and our dogs. Awesome. Um, usually every year we go down to Bakersfield with to visit our cousins and have a Christmas there. And this is probably the first Christmas we haven't had with them since we've been in California. Mm. Um, so you know. COVID's been COVID, I guess. Right. Right. And you don't get to see, see people as much, but, but, you know, it was, it was good. It was actually kind of nice because you, you, you didn't have as much of the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we bring? Right. What presents do we need to get for everyone? So you kind of got to enjoy it. Just the two of us yeah. and just chillax. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I feel weird too, because this is probably, you know, I'm in my deployed environment right now and with some, amazing human beings out here and you know got the loved ones back home and this is probably the best christmas i've had that i remember you know and it's just it's just weird because i wouldn't have thought that and and clearly i would rather be home uh, you know especially with a special somebody but i i'm here and we made the best of it and it's pretty awesome so i guess um it, it allows us to to really do some deep work and figure out what's the most important to us. And COVID has, has definitely had its challenges, but there's some good things too. And this Christmas was pretty awesome. Yeah. But, you know, I think with COVID um, it's, I don't know about you, but for me, it's really helped me, I think, see things from a different perspective and really be a lot more grateful about the things that I have, Yeah. you know? And so maybe that's kind of like where you're at too. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, once you see the things that, that you take for granted, you're just so mm-hmm. much more grateful for the people that you have around you. And that yeah. kind of makes the holidays for you. 
Yeah, it's it's like, you know, before COVID, I think I had a lot of clutter in my life. And a lot of people, you know, they they constantly tell me how productive I seem. And, and you know, I find that to be a great compliment. But I think um, COVID's really helped me understand what's the most important, how to prioritize those things, right? And a lot of it was taking care of myself, too, because I think I was failing that miserably before COVID. So it kind of made me have to take a deep breath and a pause and a break and a, and like a hard reboot. Yeah, no, I totally hear you. I feel the same way, too. I mean, before COVID, it was like work, 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 work. I was mm-hmm. neglecting myself. I was neglecting my family. Mm-hmm. And with COVID, I've had a opportunity to kind of reconnect with everybody right you know i get to hang out with my husband a lot more before didn't have time to go on a walk at night with him and the dogs and now every night we get to go on our walk which is which is really cool you know i actually get to hang out with him for a change yeah so isn't that weird that like before this, if you said, Hey, you're just going to spend a lot more time walking with your, you know, with your husband and the dog, you probably were like, that sounds okay, I guess. But now it's like, this is actually pretty awesome. Right. Right. <laughs> it's the little things that you take for granted or the little things that you never thought about in your life that all of a sudden you, you kind of rediscover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've got to say that I feel so much better and so much happier yeah. than I have in a really long time. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about connection too. I actually feel more connected to probably, I would say probably more people, but also more connected to those special people, right? Those few people, Mm -hmm. I'm better connected to them now. And it's odd because, you know, we're in isolation for the most part compared to previous times. We had access to everything before and now we get restricted and we start connecting with people on a different level. I mean, I talk on the phone more than I used to. I used to just text a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. I, you know, I still text a lot too, but that's still a way of connecting. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that those that have kind of weathered COVID fairly, fairly well, you have to be able to see the bright side of things, right? Mm-hmm. You have to think positive. And it's not that we think it's going to go away, but you you accept the reality for what it is and you're able to adapt. Yeah. I think adaptability is a key. Right. Yeah. If this thing's taught us anything that, you know, the people who are able to adapt, the people that weren't sitting right on the the line, whether that line's, you know, fiscal fitness or physical fitness or everything else in between, the people that weren't right on that fringe, um, they were able to adapt a little bit better and pivot in different directions. And I think that was... That, I mean, that was a hard lesson for a lot of people. And it's unfortunate that some businesses went down and the people that didn't have the best of health, you know, that they, they were impacted so dramatically. But, yeah. um, but you know, there's there's only so much we can do about that and what we can focus on and what we can learn. I remember I put a video out right at the beginning of this whole thing. And I was saying, you know, at the end of this, if you look back and you're the same person you were, you know, before this started, then you failed. There are so many opportunities to become better after this. Right. Not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I yeah. think because um, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the is it the Stockdale paradox? Yeah, Stockdale? you I know, think- in Vietnam, he was a POW, and there was a story about how a lot of the prisoners that were like, "Oh, we're going to be out by Christmas, we're going to be out by mm-hmm. New Year's," they like just mentally didn't make it. Yeah. 
Yeah, the ones that kept on thinking it was going to be over pretty soon. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. We're going to have to go back. Now, now you got me thinking, is that that one? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's yeah. Stockdale. Yeah, I think so, too. Because, you, you, you know, watch, we're gonna, people, someone's going to be listening to this. It's like, oh, my goodness, they got that totally jacked up. <laughs> but, Probably, but yeah. you know what? At least we tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We tried really <laughs> hard there, too. We're going to make this work somehow, everybody. <laughs> Yeah. These are our conversations too. We'll be out in dinner and we're just going to start throwing out random <laughs> theories that don't make sense. Right, right, right. But you know, if I throw a name in there, then make, maybe it makes yeah. me sound a little bit more intelligent. If I sound like I know what I'm talking about. Right, right. You just have to sound confident. You got to be assertive I, with it. Honestly, that's that's probably how I've got through about 70% of my life. <laughs> Same here. 20 years in the military. Most of the time, just sounded confident. <laughs> exactly. If you sound like you know what you're talking about yeah, wow yeah. that Nina she's really quite bright I'm like I have no idea what I'm talking yeah, about but yeah, yeah, sure yeah. I'm really good at <laughs> researching backwards afterwards to make myself <laughs> make myself right <laughs> absolutely you know uh Google yeah Google if you're if you're a fast typer and you can uh -huh. get on Google I don't know how many times people have called me up on the phone and they're like so I got a question about this. And as they're talking, I'm like Googling it. I'm like, so here's what I'm thinking. And I'll just read what I'm, what I find. And they're like, wow, you know what? That's why I always call you Nina. You got the answer. Oh I'm man. Like, oh no. man. <laughs> Nina, I think you're telling everybody your secrets. You're telling everybody our secrets. Actually, we got to be careful about this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man. Hey, so we got a couple of things that we we're supposed to talk about today because um, because I've seen you doing, you know, we're talking about how we pivoted, how we've taken advantage of these opportunities and just taken advantage of opportunities, period. And I wanted to start off with um, you've written multiple articles for the Llama Lounge and for the audience, if you have not checked them out, Nina is an amazing writer with extraordinary perspective. You need to go visit Llama Leadership to take a look and soak in some of her wisdom. But one in particular I really want to chat about was the most recent one. It was titled Fail Often, Fail Fiercely. Can you give a synopsis of that article and tell us what inspired you to write that one? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I got to thinking one day, um, you know, I've been... I had been looking for a couple of, of, of job opportunities and mm -hmm. there was one job opportunity um, that I thought was tailor-made for me. So my background is kind of in um, materials, steel, um, bridge materials and like welding. And um, a job came open to be the chief of the materials and testing lab. And I was mm -hmm. like, I have trained my entire Caltrans career for this, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought I was a really, really strong contender and I really, really wanted it. Um, and so, you know, I I'd studied really hard. I'd, you know, prepared real hard for this. And, you know, as the interview process went on, um, it got to the point where I was like one of the top three candidates left mm -hmm. right which was pretty good right so I, I was feeling really good I was like I got a pretty good chance at this and I really wanted it um and then you know what I didn't get it mm. and it was a huge letdown because my whole career in Caltrans was predicated on materials I, I just felt like outside of Caltrans I was you know in, in 
influential in the industry and I was involved mm-hmm. in the industry. So I, I just felt like I, there was so much more that I could have done. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've all kind of had that deflating feeling. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, but you know what? Um, you know, after I got, got through my initial disappointment, um, then I thought to myself, I'm really glad I put myself out there mm-hmm. because now I've gone through that process. Yeah. Right. And so the idea of failing often and then failing fiercely came to mind. That means go for it. Whatever you go for, go for it 100%. If you fail, at least know that you've done it, given it, given it your all, right? Um, and I'm not the only one that's had personal failures. And I just thought to myself, maybe somebody can, can get something out of this per- perspective. Um, and, you know, I had gotten... After my, my, that first interview that I, and the job that I didn't get, I applied for other promotional opportunities within the department because one, some of the feedback that I got was, you need a little bit more diverse experience. I said, okay, mm-hmm. so let me put myself out there a little bit more. Yeah. And I probably put together six or seven applications, put them all out there, got interviews, and then I got the call back saying, thanks, no thanks, right? <laughs> And, you know, after a while, you're like six or seven times, you're like, man, what is wrong with me? You know, (laughs) you think that numbers are behind you, right? Like something should have stuck. But, um, but, you know, sometimes it is just what it is. And you have to be able to see what did I, what did I get out of it? Right. Right. So even though I didn't get any of those positions, one, I now have these different connections because everyone said, you know, you interviewed well, because I still prepared for the interview. Right. So it's not like I fell flat on my face, but now I have people that I can connect with in the future. Yeah. And they also gave me insight to areas in the department that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. So I just think that's so amazing because you know what it is like a lot of people will try a couple jobs if they're even willing to throw their you know their name in the hat at all if they're even willing to try but you're willing to do that over and over again and um one of the things i love that you said i was i was throwing a lot of spaghetti on the wall see if anything would stick and i've gone through a lot of pasta that was like it was like one of my favorite parts of that <laughs> it's, it's it's a kind of a nice visual right, right. <laughs> i just see what boxes of pasta <laughs> Just like piles of Barilla boxes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, you know, but to me, that's such a sign of character that you're willing to continuously throw your hat in there. And so many, because one thing, most, most people, I will say most people are actually afraid to try something new out of, you know, just fear that, that, that they're going to fail because they're so afraid of that feeling. But for you to do that and then also um, spin it, and understand that, that there was opportunities for you to learn and gain from those situations, even though you weren't, you know, the one that was selected. And I think that's just amazing. And one thing is you said, we have to use it. And we're talking about a uh, failure and everything. We have to use it. We have to do it often. We, and we don't get better at it, you know, if we don't. Right. So, and I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And do you think that that perspective and that a uh, grit that you've developed, um, 
was that with you always or is that something that kind of you know that 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 grew within you as you gained perspective on things and through your experiences in life I think I've always had a little bit of it with me, mm-hmm. but I think that with age, I've gotten better at tapping into it. Mm. Um, you know, cause as a kid, I was always the kid that I was pretty stubborn, mm. right? I never wanted to quit. Yeah. Um, because I didn't, if somebody told me I couldn't, I was like, well, then I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so that the, I have the, the, the not quitting part has always been in me. That's awesome. But the seeing things in a positive light is something that I've learned over the years. Hmm. That's probably something I wouldn't have done 20 years ago is seeing the bright side of things, right? right. The positive side of things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for us to be able to find humor yeah. in when things go wrong. Yeah. Or, um, you know, laugh at ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Because that softens, softens the blow. Right. You know, um, we are so hardwired to think negatively. Mm-hmm. It's just in our nature. Right. That if we start, if we fail and we train ourselves to think of things in a positive light or to laugh at it. Mm-hmm. it just makes it so much easier the next time you fail. Yeah. You know, which is inevitably going to happen, right? If you're putting yourself out there and, and, you know, I, I, I keep going back to that whole character thing because it, it it's such a character builder to put yourself through those situations. Cause oftentimes, you know, people will, will have that one failure and then they'll just, I'm done. Or they'll let that scar, right. They'll, they'll let that, become trauma and then they won't try anymore and um and then and then next thing you know some people get to the point where now they're feeling like they're they're being done wrong right and and when i'm not selected it's it's an, it's it's an attack on my character you know it has something to do with who i am as a person versus so much more than that right it could just be you know maybe something you could work on or some more experience that you can gain like like you said right and and right. when people take it that way they just go down this dark path oftentimes And, you know, I've gone down that dark path before and it doesn't do anybody any good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I I won't get into the specific instance, but I like I said, 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't have done the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably would have focused on the negative. And, you know, in in that instance, yeah, it took me down a very self-destructive path. Mm -hmm. And, um you know, with age, you kind of wish you could do a do-over, but I'm glad that I went through that because now I know how much better I actually have it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's something liberating about it, realizing that, you know, that it's okay to fail and put yourself out there because you can gain something from it. Because I'll be honest with you and, and both of us, you know, coming from Asian households growing up, I, I think back and I remember really, um, staying within my comfort zone early on in my career, probably first six to eight years. And I think back on why that was, I was so afraid and I didn't, you know, I I wouldn't admit it to myself, but I wouldn't try things that I didn't know I was going to be good at because I was afraid to fail. And I think it kind of goes back to my childhood and like bringing home a 97 and 
being asked what the other 3% was, you know what I mean? Like constantly like being that pressure of those grades, meaning nothing now anyway, but at the time, you know, just being prodded so much that I didn't want to try an AP class at all because I brought home like a B in the AP class just wouldn't be understood in the house. So uh, it kind of like created this environment where I just always wanted to stay in that comfort zone. And until I realized that there's a whole nother world outside of that and being okay with failing, trying new things, um, I felt like I was just really limited. You know, and I think that if you don't fail, you don't realize your full potential. Right. Right. If you don't fail and you stay within that comfort zone, mm-hmm. then you, you really limit yourself and your, your abilities. Right. Um, you know, so I was actually talking to, uh, to Bodhi the other day and we were yeah. talking about, you know, certain people that we knew and how, you know, the two of us had kind of like ventured outside of, expectations and norms mm-hmm. um, and how other people that we had grown up with kind of stayed within those expectations and norms. And you see, even as adults, they still mm-hmm. have a hard time and they struggle mm-hmm. with really finding happiness right? because they've never ventured outside of what was expected of them. Um, they've always conformed to somebody else's expectations. Yeah, They don't have as good of an idea of who they really are. And so they bounce from job to job or relationship to relationship and they're really not quite happy and they can't figure out what it is. Yeah. Cause they don't, they haven't built that foundation. Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it kind of reminds me too, I was um, listening to Michael Singer's untethered soul, which is a great book. Um, and there's a part where it talks about like your comfort zone is like your own prison and you can decorate your prison cell all you want and make it real comfortable and make it real nice, but it's still a prison. Right. And, and, you know, and it's a prison that you created for yourself and you're keeping yourself in it. There's a key right there and you're just staying in there yourself. Yeah. And, and yeah. I thought that was a great analogy. So I think failure helps you realize your potential and really helps you develop your character and yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go out there and you put yourself out there, you really find out what you're made of. Yeah. And I can see why some people are scared to do that. But honestly, to be even the times when I didn't think there was a good thing that came of it, Mm -hmm. there really was because you've heard that phrasing, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. It, it really is true. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. can overcome and you can, and you can shift your mindset to see, you know, the positive in things, right. it really, I think, shores up your emotional fortitude mm-hmm. Yeah. for when really bad stuff hits the fan. Yeah. And what you described, to, to me is I put my little spin on there, just kind of add a little part to that is like, you know, what doesn't kill you, you can choose to make you stronger. You know what I mean? Like, because it's like, there, there's such a choice there instead of just like, okay, I know I'm just going to stay here and let it kill me slowly in this comfort zone. Right. I mean, there's such a right. interesting. Well, we talked about place. scars before, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you would mention scars earlier yeah. and we've talked about it. And I was like, you know what though, you can see scars as, you know, kind of a, uh, a bad thing, or, you know what you, you know, who else has scars? Warriors have scars. You don't, you don't get in and you don't become, you know, battle hardened without getting a little, getting some scars and and bumps. Right. But, but I've never seen a real badass without. 
yeah scar <laughs> yeah absolutely and a lot of those scars are inside too like we said but you know what else happens when you kind of want to stay in your comfort zone what i noticed is that um when you stay when you stay there and you're so afraid of failure you start hedging and i've done it i'll, I'll tell you from personal experience i would hedge whether it was a relationship or something else, or if it was like going all in on an endeavor, when you're afraid to fail, you start saying, well, you know, if I fail this, it's okay or whatever, right? Like you, you think it's not going to work out. So you're not really even fully committed to it. And you're like, you start talking yourself into like, well, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And it's like, well, you didn't really fully commit because actually you were afraid to fail so much that now you're like softening the blow for yourself. And there's no way that's probably going to work out for you. And I love what you said in your article, history favors those that go for broke. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, when you look at people who've achieved great things mm -hmm. um, in the history books, right? Like yeah. let's, let's say Amelia Earhart, right? You know, did she go up there and did she say, well, you know, maybe I could do this instead wear a parachute or I'm just going to fly, you know, I don't know, from, from Denver to Kansas city instead. Mm -hmm. No, she went all in. She went all out. And, yeah. and that's why she was, she's in the history books. Right. You know, um, great, great things are achieved when you go in a hundred percent. It's kind of like what you said, when you, when you soften that blow, mm -hmm. you never quite get there. Right. You're only getting part way there. Right. You're never achieving your full potential. Yeah. Um, and we can look at all other historical, you know, um, figures and, and, and take a look at what they did. And not a single one of them went in saying, well, maybe I'll compromise and I'll do this instead. Right. Right. Or else they never would have gotten there. Right. Um, Michelangelo, mm -hmm. Sistine Chapel. I mean, yeah. he paid the whole darn thing, yeah. not just <laughs> a wall. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have a backup plan. He didn't say, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll draw some, uh, some camels up there. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. And that's the right. thing is like, we, we, we hedge. Right. And, and I always talk about this in reference to a sport that I like, which is snowboarding. And I remember when I first started learning how to snowboard, I was so afraid to fall that I would brace myself because it hurt. Right. So I would start bracing myself for the fall, which inevitably meant I was definitely going to fall because I'm not committed to actually yeah. standing up and going. And there's so many things in life like that. If you're not fully committed and you go halfway, you're definitely going to fail then, right? You're like, right. for sure going to fail. You're setting yourself up for failure at that point. Well, that's a really good analogy with snowboarding, right? So if you're like on the half pipe and you're yeah, doing yeah. flips or whatever, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You have to go in with that full velocity, right? If you hold yourself back, yeah, yeah you're going to beat it. Yeah. You're going to get hurt. Probably and you're going to get bad, hurt. right? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you got to go all in 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like to talk about burning the ships, right? I mean, you gotta, you gotta go in or you're, you're just, you're, you're setting yourself up to be okay with failing. So 
we're okay with failing, right? But when you set yourself up and create that self-fulfilling prophecy, you're going to for sure fail, right? You set it up, you made it that way. And then, and then you, and then what happens is that becomes like a, a downward spiral where you continuously do that. And I see from experience, that was like me for a while. I would continuously do that even with relationships. Well, maybe this isn't going to work out. So I don't want to invest too much. Yeah. That, that relationship is hundred percent not going to work out now. You know, and there's so much about the brain that we don't know, but I think what we do know is there's so much mind over matter. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's this book, uh, you sent me a book, Endurance. Yeah. yeah. And in it, they talk about how much, it's not so much that our bodies limit us, mm-hmm. but it's actually our brains that do that. Right. Right. Our brains tell us no. And so we don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's a, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that book up because that's a perfect segue into another topic I wanted to talk to you about, which is running. Because Endure, it wasn't all just about running, right? It was about everything, like going full. Right. But I remember there was quite a few um, parts of that book where they're talking about running and like, well, your, your brain is actually telling you to pace yourself, right? It's like creating this environment to pace yourself to protect you. And you know, it's true because at the end, for some reason, you get all this extra juice <laughs> at the end to still be able to sprint the end, even though you pace yourself throughout, right? And how much exactly. extra juice is in there? We have no idea because we always kind of pace ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. But have you finished it? I'm about halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. Was, it, it was pretty cool. It got real sciencey in there, but, but, um, but it was a really good uh, explanation of how things happen and what's going on. And I'm like, when I'm, I'm, when I'm going through that book, I'm like, Hey, I did that before. Definitely did that. Probably did that last week. You know, I kind of like, yeah, like hedged a little bit. Exactly. And actually there's, there's days, um, you know, as a runner, there's definitely some days where I get out there and I get a mile in and I'm like, my brain, Yeah. My, I know I can run. Right. Right. My body can run. Right. I, I've run, you know, 10 miles before, but a mile in my brain's like, yeah, yeah no, I'm not feeling this today. And right. everything right. just shuts down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And it's not my body. It's my brain doing this. Right. <laughs> right. Clearly your body can get through it. Yeah. You've done it before. Right. Right. Yeah. So so let's talk about that a little bit. The runner. Okay. So it's funny because people will say, oh, you're a runner. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I would consider myself a runner. And then Scott will say, no, you're a runner. Right. So, yeah. like, so I, I don't know when that transitioned for me and I'll share a little bit about myself, but when did you start really taking up running and, and what kind of got you into that mode? Were you a runner when you were younger and then you kind of got out of it and came back or, you know, or did you just one day say that like, I want to start running a lot more? I was a runner when I was younger. So in, in, in high school, I ran cross country. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't super fast or anything. I was, I wasn't great. I was all right. Yeah. Um, but, um, so yeah, so I ran in cross ran in high school and then, you know, I, after that, I kind of would just run just to kind of stay in shape here and there. Yeah. And when I got out of the, when I got out of the military, running became not a very big part of my life. <laughs> um, in fact, I would probably go years without running. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, a niece's wedding is coming up. I got to 
it into a dress. <laughs> good <laughs> motivation, though. That's good motivation. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so then for, for, you know, for years, um, the only time I would pick up running is if I had like a special occasion in a couple months, like my yeah. stepdaughter's wedding. I'm like, I better start running. Yeah. Um, but I really wasn't running because I, for the sheer enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, probably this summer, mm-hmm. um, I just said, you know, I just need to start running again. And yeah. honestly, Joe, I think that you've been a big inspiration too. Cause I'm like, you know what, Joe's out there and he's doing it. I need to go out there and start running again also. Yeah. That's um, awesome. So, yeah. so yeah, you helped me get back into running and really loving it. Well, you, you helped me stay motivated too, to keep going because even though as much as I've been running, there's days where, like you said, I'm, I'm not even on that first mile. I'm looking out the window. I'm like looking at the wind. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and then I see, I see, see you do a run. I was like, all right, it's my turn. I better get out there and go run. Or, see, it's uh, our brain yeah. talking us out of things. Right, right. Yeah. And then, and then Darn you, brain. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been doing your long runs on Saturday. And then I set myself up for a Sunday. I've committed myself to running a half marathon mm-hmm. every Sunday while I'm here on this deployment. So I get to see yours and I'm like, all right, my That's turn, awesome. <laughs> you know, so it's really been motivating me, but I, I, I know for me, um, running, I wasn't a runner when I was young, I, I was athletic and I'd run, but you know, two, maybe three miles max. And then when, even when I was in, um, you know, joined the air force and started working out, I would, it was easy for me to keep the weight down. So I'd go run every now and then, but still like two, maybe three miles, 5k max. And, you know, of course the mile and a half for PT tests and everything else. But, um, I know for, I let myself get out of shape when I was really grinding out in Korea and, um, and I was, you know, two and a half years out there and I was working really hard, not taking care of myself. And, um, a lot of great stuff happened from that tour, but I know one thing is I wasn't in good shape and I almost kind of went into a little bit of a mental, like a depression too soon after. And then um, one day in Germany, I was just like, I need to start running again. And, and I got on the treadmill and started running and I got winded like at like five minutes, I was having a hard time. And then I was like, no, I was trying to run 20 minutes straight. And I started struggling like at five and then six, and then it kind of made it worse. I was like, man, what, what has happened to me? And then, you know what, after that, I was like, just like what you were kind of talking about with your article, I was like, well, you know what, here's a, here's a spot, here's a turning point where I can either just go suck worse <laughs> or I can keep trying. Right. And then I was like, all right, tomorrow yeah. I'm going to try to run eight minutes straight, 10 minutes straight, 20 minutes straight. And then eventually I got to like 45 minutes to an hour. And, um, and then I just started cardio beasting. I just, I was like, I got to get through this. I don't want to get back to where I was before. And I started intermittent fasting with it. And I just started running more and more. And now um, I'm running 10 K like four times a week, four or five times a week and running a half marathon. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of it is mental fitness. Honestly, it's for my mental fitness. You know, and that's, that's so true. So, you know, when, when the pandemic kicked off, you know, I spent probably what about four months sitting at home, yeah, teleworking, yeah. eating ho hos, <laughs> you know, and just feeling like crap. Right. Right. I mean, I was like, oh, I'm getting the COVID weight. Right. Well, that's my own darn fault. Right? right. But it was like, I was just sitting around, um, had all this 
extra time on my hands because I didn't have a commute anymore. I didn't have right. to necessarily get ready to right. see people in the morning, right? <laughs> so what was I doing? I was filling that time up with nothing. Right. You got that COVID-19, the 19 pounds. <laughs> you gained that COVID-19. <laughs> right. And I was feeling horrible, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, and so I was, and so I think once I started running again and started, you know, exercising again and getting, incorporating that into my life, my mental outlook on things really changed also. Right. Um, but just like you. And so I know there's a lot of people probably listening to this that are like, yeah, Joe, there's no way I can run as far as you can. And Nina, 13 miles is crazy, mm -hmm. but I'm in the same boat as you too. When I was in the military and we had to do PT at the most, maybe four miles tops. Right. Right. But it was mostly like maybe one or two miles mm -hmm. every couple days. Um, and even when I got out, when I was running to fit into special occasion dresses, <laughs> um, it was only like three or four miles either. You know, right. like I told my husband the other day, I was like, I have I've never run this far before. And I did it. Right. It's crazy. Right. But when I started running again this, this summer, I went out there, I ran a mile in 11 minutes and I only pushed myself through it because I was like, I can't stop. I just, I want to just get a mile in. Mm -hmm. And then I couldn't walk for like a week. Yeah. I mean, I was so sore. <laughs> I was like this I couldn't walk up and down the stairs and our house is, you know, two levels. So it's like, <laughs> I can't just live on the first floor. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. And, and it's, it's like stuff like that can put you back, but right. I think when you have people that help keep you accountable too, mm -hmm. it helps. And every time I went out, I was like, okay, I'm going to go just a little bit farther. Right. right. You set yourself another small goal. I'm going to go 0.2 miles farther. So 1.2 miles today. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Next day, I'm going to go one and a half miles. And then pretty soon that starts to build up. Right. And, and you're cranking out like 10 Ks. And yeah. then the next thing is like, I wonder if my, I wonder if I can do a half marathon. Right. And then you do it. And then right. the next thing is like, I wonder if I can do a marathon. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And you just start wondering and then you're like, well, you know, you can, right. You just got to put through it. And I, you know, and it's, it's interesting because I was telling you, like, I kind of was going through um, a mild depression at the time and, you know, having, being out of shape just made it worse because I've always been in good shape and now being out of shape. It's like, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's like downward spiraling and stuff. And I start working out and I was just not happy, you know, um, uh, everything in my life wasn't going very well. Personal life was falling apart. And I was like, man, and, and that was, it, it felt numb for a while. And when I started running, not only did it make me feel better about myself because, you know, I was setting goals and doing it, I started looking better, but interestingly enough, and people are going to listen to this and think I'm insane. But when I started feeling some of the pain that comes with long distance running at certain points, it made me feel human again. Like I felt like alive again. You know what I mean? Cause maybe I wasn't able to feel happiness right now, but I was at least able to know that, okay, I'm still, I feel something. Right. And, and then I realized at some point I was like, okay, there's two parts of a run that I always, it doesn't matter how long the run is. 
um, if it's going to be at least, you know, a longer run, um, there's a part where it's very fleeting and it's, it feels like you're running on pillows. Everything feels easy. It's, I don't know if you get it, but I don't know if that's yes. the runner's high or what, but it's like, there's a moment and it doesn't last very long for me <laughs> where huh? it feels like everything's easy. I'm like, oh, I love that feeling. I look forward to it. And then there's the other feeling where everything feels miserable and I feel like I'm in pain. Like you're, you got a great, and I look at that one. I look forward to that one too, because you get to feel it. And then I'm like, all right, this is the opportunity to overcome that. Right. So there's yeah. like these two parts of every run that I'm looking forward to. And, and, and the pain, I just like, okay, cool. Here's an opportunity. You want to, you want to wuss out and quit or you want to push through it. Right. And it's just an opportunity to constantly challenge yourself daily, you know, when you run regularly. Yeah. And I think we need more of that in our lives. You know, we need, we need to overcome things every day. You know, and it's, you bring up a good point. Cause for me, that, that pain and the mm -hmm. stuff that I have to gut it through to get to the pillows mm -hmm. is my, like my first two miles. Yeah. Right. And I'll admit it. There are days where I get into mile one and my brain's like, yeah, no. <laughs> and I stop. Yeah. Right. And then I have to, and then I go back later on in the day and I try again. Yeah. You know, and then I get my, you know, six okay. miles in or whatever. Wow. But, you never shared that with me before that you quit on mile one every now and then I had no idea. <laughs> you know, you have to be kind to yourself, but yeah. you can't let it be an excuse. Yeah, absolutely. No judgment you know? zone. No judgment zone. <laughs> so I, I share that because I'm human. Yeah, absolutely. But, you, you know, I think the important thing is, is yeah, so for that day, I might have said, okay, this morning, yeah. I'm not feeling it. Mm -hmm. Let me get myself back together, you know, do a little bit of work or whatever I need to do. And then in a couple hours, let me try it again. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, at least you don't make it, make it an excuse for the day. Right. You still get it in. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. Now, what I think what I was trying to say, too, is like, so the first two miles for me are always the hardest to get through. Yeah. Um. And I guess maybe that's an analogy for life. Also, whenever you try something hard, mm -hmm. the, the initial start is always going to be tough. Yeah. But once you get through that first two miles or the first, you know, of, of any endeavor that you're starting, the rest of it is cake. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's just getting through that initial, initial part mm -hmm. in running and in life. And then yeah. the rest of it is it's it, you're coasting. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're expanding yourself a little bit further, like I've extended myself to a 20 miler last Sunday. And I'll tell you, it beat me up like 16 and a half miles. I felt good. That last three and a half, I was like, my life, my body just doesn't want to keep going, but I kept going. You know, I, I sucked down another goo pack that by the way, you sent me. Thank you. <laughs> Cause I've been You're utilizing welcome. those. That's awesome. Uh, I just sucked down another goo pack. Yeah, they are, they are. And, and I sucked one of those down and finished up the run and I was in pain. Normally, honestly, after a half marathon, the next day I'll run a, a recovery run. I'll do a 10 K the next day. Um, just to uh -huh. kind of take it easy and just, but kind of like loosen up the muscles. But that day I was like, no, nah, I got blisters. <laughs> my, my calf felt like it was going to blow out. Like I didn't know if it was an Achilles thing on my right side. Uh -huh. And I remember telling my boss, I was like, Oh no, I felt like my Achilles was going. And he was like, don't you dare 
hurt yourself and leave me here. <laughs> like you are not going anywhere. You are staying here in this deployment with me. I was like, got you boss. I'll be here. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was weird, but like, it felt so good afterwards. And, you know, and that put me so close to my 1500 mar mile mark for the year. It just felt so good afterwards. You know, when I started running again in like July, I said, I set a goal for myself. I'm like, I want to run 300 miles by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm easily double that. I stopped uh, counting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that like my, my Under Armour run app yeah. says like 560 or something like that. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, um, like, yeah, we, you, you don't think you're going to do it right. Like you, you don't, and it starts racking up. You're just chipping away at it. I, my yeah. goal was a thousand miles this year. And then I hit that and next thing you know, I'm at 1500 now. I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That 20 mile run I did the other day. Um, I, I actually looked at my GOV that's assigned to me and I actually ran more in that one day than I drove this entire month. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Do you find that running helps you be a better person too? It does. It does. I think um, my teammates have no idea how much, how, how much they really want me to run every day. <laughs> you know, uh, it really does. And I go back to this idea um, that Joe Rogan talks about, like, we're all like batteries. And if we don't drain ourselves and charge ourselves and drain ourselves and charge ourselves, that it just becomes like this energy that's pent up and it starts to like spew all that like nasty corrosive stuff outside. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. have to be able to do that regularly and exercise. And I think that running, it helps me do that for my uh, mental clarity, like, especially if I'm going to have to make a big decision or I'm going through some stuff or, you know, that negative self-talk that we all have, um, mm -hmm. running a lot of times will clear that up for me. And I've actually gotten to a point where I run without music now, which I never would have thought that would have happened. Then I transitioned to just listening to podcasts and listening to books. But now when I'm running with nothing, it's just interesting. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. Do you listen to music still or and stuff when you're running? No, I, you know, I, I don't really listen to music. I used to listen to music, but I found that it actually kept me, held me back. Yeah. Because I would start counting the time. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm like, okay, this song is about three minutes long. I've listened to five songs. So I'm 15 minutes in and, and it, it kind of, it was like I was talking myself out of it. Whereas if I just listen to a book, yeah. I'm just going. Yeah. To me, yeah, the book thing, the podcast and the books, you know, I was doing that for a while because I wanted to like, I, you know, you know, you know me pretty well at this point. I, I like to be efficient. So <laughs> I want to knock out two things at one time if I can. So, me so, too. so if I'm going to be running, I better be learning something too, instead of, you know, like, you know, if I'm going to be running for an hour or two hours or whatever it's going to be, I need to be like consuming some stuff, you know what I mean? But, but now I think I'm starting to learn that, you know, it's okay to just run <laughs> and just sit with your own feelings for a little bit. Well, it's kind of like, um, like running for me, sometimes I'm learning, mm -hmm. you know, cause I like to listen to books too, Yeah. but every once in a while you have to put that book on pause and, right. and really think about stuff. Yeah. And, and running for me helps give me a chance to think about the day. Yeah. Think about what I've done, how mm -hmm. I've maybe affected other people. Yeah. Um, what I could have 
done differently mm-hmm. and really come to peace with, with some of these things. Yeah. It's really meditative, I think in a way. Absolutely. Which, yeah. That's definitely my meditation. Which sounds, you know, fluffy and squishy, but you kind of need to have time to get into your own head and get comfortable with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't address that somehow or, or, or think through it and just let it do its thing, it eats you up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being a man, I think we often talk about the man shelf that we just shove everything down. <laughs> the shelf that's right above your chest that you just shove everything down. And I think uh, that shelf can only be so big for everybody. Eventually you got to run and do something to kind of like really kind of reflect like you're saying. And I think yeah. for me also, it, it's helped me really think through things and give me different perspectives. You know, a lot of people might think about that when you're running, but when you're doing something challenging, I've noticed like the stoic philosophy that, you know, there's a concept of amor fati, which is like embracing fate. No matter what happens, you embrace it as a good thing, right? It's Mm -hmm. something learning opportunity, whatever. And me even like, okay, I can't wait to start feeling the pain and, and have the opportunity to embrace that pain as something right and, and i think that that running has really I'm given so me the perspective <laughs> i know right <laughs> I know people are listening to us like you guys are insane <laughs> but, but i mean it's like you get to embrace it you know there's an opportunity there that you know nowadays in society you don't really i mean i'm in an environment where it could be a little bit dangerous but you know like there's not that many opportunities where you get to challenge yourself like that. And you have to deliberately put yourself in those situations. And for me, it's running. Somebody else might be Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Somebody else, you know, might be getting up and speaking in front of a giant crowd. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever it might be. It's, it's just a matter, I think, of, of challenging yourself mm-hmm. and then overcoming that obstacle. Right. right? I mean, for, for the two of us, mm-hmm. at one point, just getting a mile in right. was an obstacle mm-hmm. and, and, and like anything in life, once you get over that obstacle, then you look for the next challenge. Right. And it kind of goes into the whole, unless you fail or unless mm-hmm. you put yourself out there, you never know what your potential is. Right. I mean, can you imagine when you were sitting there in Korea going, I'm going to go run 20 miles. Right. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was the guy that was going to put the yeah. 1.5 sticker on the back of my car. 1.5, no more, no less. <laughs> exactly. Right. And then now look, it's like yeah. Yeah. you're running 20 miles and you're, you've realized what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's really kind of amazing when you take a step back and you go, here's where I was and here's where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. And because I, you took those chances and because you did, did something a little bit different or, you ran a little bit farther. <laughs> right. And I think there's a cool balance there too, because for me, people often ask me, are you going to run a marathon? Are you going to do an ultra marathon? And yes, I'm going to work a marathon into my deployment here. Um, ultra marathon, maybe, I don't know, but you know, for me, I think, you know, everybody has that different challenge. And I often talk about people's white picket fences are different for, you know, different people. But when I look at the challenge for me, it's more consistency than it is the length. Now I do want to challenge myself with the length, but for me to consistently run these long runs for a long period of time, that's the challenge for me, you know, cause there's days, I'll tell you what, Monday recovery run feels kind of like slow, mm-hmm. but not bad. 
but in a weird way, because I just, I'm instead of running a half marathon, I'm only running 10 K. So it's like half the time. So I feel like it's easier. Right. And then Wednesday I run it and I'm like, okay, I feel still fresh Friday, not feeling as fresh anymore, <laughs> you know, Saturday, not feeling as fresh. Then Sunday I run a full a half marathon again. And it's like, you start feeling the challenges along the way of being consistent. And I think that's one of just my core yeah. values is consistency. So it challenges me in that way versus just constantly adding more miles on. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've heard also, you know, running your own race. Yeah. Right. So, so mm-hmm. what's, what works for you? Mm-hmm. Right. So what works for me is not running a seven and a half minute mile, mm-hmm. yeah. but what works for me is like maybe an 11 minute mile. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're faster than that. I've seen your times. Don't even act like that. <laughs> but you know, you know, cause we get into, and this is probably a conversation for a different day. Mm-hmm. It's easy for, for us to get into like comparisons. Right. And that yeah. can set us back too. So it's yeah. really important to say, you know what? I'm not Joe. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be running 830 mm-hmm. half marathon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. that's your race. Mm-hmm. My race is this one right over here where I'm running maybe a 10 or something. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Because and, when you start comparing, yeah, you'll talk yourself out of it. Right. Absolutely. And you know, I've also discovered that you start going back into that comfort zone or you find different ways to, start hedging again. So what I found like even recently on my deployment, I was running and there's been some super windy days out here and I'm running right into the wind and I'm getting frustrated. Right. I'm like, why is this, this this is really going to mess up my time, but I'm like, who cares? Right. Like who am I racing against? What's the time that I'm trying to beat? I mean, if anything, this is giving me a much better workout, right? Like I'm having to run through this is more of a challenge. And in the middle of that thought, I'm able to, turn it right and how does that parallel into being a better person like you said or better being a better coworker, a better leader yeah. is like you're able to pivot while it's actually happening and you get to practice that yeah so yeah, no i hear you you know and i i've gone through that too where i'll be running and i'm like i am way below my normal pace yeah you know um but you just the win is mm-hmm. finishing right the win is not necessarily how fast you get there. The win is in finishing. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's something to think about too in, in life as in same as running. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Yeah. This, this has been a great conversation, Nina. I loved catching up with you. <laughs> same here. You know, yeah. right. You asked though, at the very beginning, right? Like what, at what point do you become a runner? Yeah. And I think that as the minute you put on shoes and you head out there, yeah, that's actually when you become a runner because you're yeah. out there and you're running. Yeah. And running is a little bit special and it's a little different than maybe some other sports because it's so accessible to everybody. Right. You don't need special equipment and mm-hmm. anybody can do it. Yeah. Like anyone could put on a pair of shoes tomorrow, go out there run a block you Mm -hmm. ran you're a runner right Right. you can't just all of a sudden say hey i'm gonna be an mma fighter right (laughs) you know like (laughs) like you just can't go out there the next day and be like yep i'm an mma fighter now right doesn't work like that yeah no, I, I mean, like, because, you know, just like that book, Born to Run, which if the audience hasn't listened to it, you don't have to 
be a runner or you know even want to get into running to really appreciate that book but it walks you through a lot of how we're kind of wired to run we're as human beings we're kind of you know wired to run we're built to run and i, I found that really interesting in there too because you're saying you're right what we are you can easily just be a runner just go out and run exactly yeah that's exactly. awesome it's a great answer <laughs> so hey you um you've been on the show before so we've done the leadership rapid fire with you before but we're going to do it again with different questions Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm not scared. All right. Which is, I guess, the point of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't want a canned answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, you you ready for the first question? It's ready. Am I gonna? Is that gonna be? <laughs> All right. What is something, whether it's a device, tool, program, item, etc., that you use to make your life more effective, and why do you use that item? Okay. So sticky notes Mm. one because they are in front of me right now but two um i'm a visual person Mm. um and sticky notes are are, and i'm I'm tactile too Mm -hmm. so sticky notes are something that that i can feel i can touch and i use them to help keep me organized during the day you know things that i need to do um I will use different sticky notes for different things. Mm -hmm. And then things are kind of color coded and I can physically see them on my wall. Okay. Awesome. All right. Question number two, what is something you've read lately that you would recommend? Oh my gosh. Um, the book of joy book of joy. All right. Um, yes, it is written by the, Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't think it's written by them, but it's a conversation between the two of them. And they really talk about how we find joy and peace in ourselves. And they're both two men that I greatly admire Mm. who've been through a lot of hardship, yet they seem to to lead and bring so much peace about them. Yeah. And to hear their perspectives and the fact that they're also great friends is just, yeah. it was just an amazing book. That's pretty cool. Awesome. I'll have to get that too. All right. Question number three. If you had an opportunity to have dinner with someone no longer living, not related to you, and that you have never met, who would it be and why? Abraham Lincoln. Hmm. So um, Abraham Lincoln, you know, I started reading a, a book called uh, – team of rivals about Mm. Abraham Lincoln. And not only was he one of our, our greatest presidents, I think he led through a time of a lot of unrest and how he was able to bring the country together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, here's a man who building his cabinet as the president picked people that didn't necessarily get along with each other. Mm. He picked them because of their, their qualities and what they would bring. Yeah. Um, and so I like to hear that perspective yeah. and, and really get, get an idea of, of, you know, how did he do that? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Final question. Since you've been running, like most runners, we start experimenting with different, like nutrition, shoes, other clothes or whatever. What, what, what is something that, that you found to be the most useful for you? Um, I think a running vest. 
So after about anything, maybe it's in my head, but anything over 10 miles for me, um, Mm -hmm. I start, I start running out of gas. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of when I need to maybe drink something Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, grab a goo pack (laughs) or a quick on the, on the, um, on the go snack. Right. And what's kind of cool about having the running vest is you can keep all that stuff with you. I don't right. like to hold stuff in my hand. Mm-hmm. I really hate having an armband because I feel right. lopsided. Right. Um, and so having the running vest, I think one, it actually helps my posture. It helps my running form. Okay. And it keeps my water and my goo packs and everything with me. Yeah. Okay. So Okay. So yeah, I, w- I always looked at those and I just don't, I guess the most effective ones are going to be able to hold everything tight to you, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want anything bouncing around. Right. Right. Could well, I always look at them. I'm wondering, is that going to be bouncing around? Because anything moves on me and I get annoyed. <laughs> I just want to chuck it at that point, you know? Yeah. You know, and what's nice about these too, the ones that, the one that I got was um, they have uh, soft water bottles. Hmm. So it's not a hard plastic one, it's a soft one. So as you drink out of it, it, it compresses, right? Okay. It's made out of okay. Um, which honestly is kind of weird at first because they're strapped to your chest and now you yeah. have these two yeah. Yeah. water bottles strapped right. to your chest. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you get used to it pretty quick. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think for a female, it might be a little bit more uncomfortable than a male. I don't know. <laughs> like, it would definitely be interesting. Well, <laughs> as a male, you might get an idea of how we feel every yeah. day. Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I don't think I'm going to use it, but that, that sounds like a cool endeavor. <laughs> you have ones where the water packs on your back. So yeah. I do have a camelback. I brought it out here. I just haven't really needed it. Um, luckily, when you're deployed, you get all kinds of water at random stations around all over the base, right? Like, because uh-huh. there's so much water out in the desert. So you just grab it. But for the most part, I don't typically need anything if I'm doing anything under a half. A half, I can actually do fasted now um, pretty often. Mm-hmm long as I hydrate well before anything more than that, it doesn't matter if it's only a couple miles more than that. I'll have to start thinking about doing goo packs, you know, periodically at 45 minutes or something, or it's not going to be a good day. I'll have to take a long nap afterwards. Yeah. That's how I feel about 10 miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But can't wait to one day uh, get to run with you. It's going to be fun. I know. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, any, what's the next big thing for you when it comes to running? Any big challenges or anything you signed up for? Um, so I did sign up for the Miami virtual marathon at okay. the end of January. So it'll be my first full marathon. Okay. So, awesome. Ooh. So the, the goal is just to get through it. Yeah. All in yeah. one shot. Yeah. However long yeah. it takes. Oh man. I appreciate you so much. You're inspiring me. So, you know, I was out like, I, I just, I wasn't thinking I was going to do a full marathon, but I was like, well, in 2021, I got set up new goals. So going to run a full marathon while I'm here um, at my deployed location. So sh- it should be good. You never, you know, your body's capable of so much. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I look forward to keeping up with you and, uh, and we'll just keep motivating each other. Sound good. Sounds good. Sounds right. good. You do it for me too. All right. Can't wait to have you on again. We'll talk about some more things in the future. All right. All right. And to all our listeners, as always, be safe, stay healthy. Llamas out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. 
Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.